This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. Top Rope Nation is on the air finally. After six months of inactivity, if you are listening, thank you for being patient. We're finally back here. It is me. I'm Ryan Drosty, the host of Top Rope Nation, joined here by my two guys, Kyle Ross and Justin Joint. And as we kind of talked about on our last show back in August, we kind of had an expanding family here on Top Rope Nation. So through the fall, these two guys have been dealing with the joys of fatherhood and it kind of took him away from the wrestling podcasting game for a while guys how how is the family life going are you guys getting sleep justin how's that going um well actually i was going to warn everybody that not to i i don't sound sedated because i'm on drugs it's because i have a small house and my sleeping kid is like just just feet away from me so <laughs> If you if you guys are funny during this and I don't laugh, it's not because I don't think it's it's laughable. I just I'm trying to stay kind of quiet. If if you think we say something funny, you should just like jingle the ice in your scotch glass that I'm sure you're holding right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, been been battling the flu, so I, I got some uh, sear mist right next to me. Okay, let it work. Kyle, fatherhood. I think the last show we did, you actually were not on that show because you had your wife had just given birth, actually. Yeah, I'll tell you what, fatherhood is, uh, yeah, I'm not going to encourage everyone to go out and have a child, but <laughs> this afternoon I watched the uh, Gargano-Almas match, All of No Way Out 2008, and uh, caught up on the 205 Live uh, tournament. So, <laughs> oh, you too could be a father out there in wrestling land. It's not hard. <laughs> there you go. Hey, that's the way to spend it. I uh, I have a child as well. She's a little over two years old, and I will say that when they talk about the terrible twos, it's no joke, man. She is getting insane. So you guys have that to look forward to. Ouch. <laughs> it's fun, though. It's fun. Mm-hmm. She's just getting a little attitude. You know, I don't know. Maybe she's watching too much WWE with me. She is obsessed with the Macho Man Randy Savage and Ric Flair. She does the woo. She's two years old. She barely says anything. But if I'll say, what does Ric Flair say? She she goes, woo. <laughs> well, uh, it was pretty funny. So obviously my daughter's only six months old and can't speak or do anything or anything. Like that. But she does stare at the, t- at the TV incessantly when wrestling is on. And uh, I was watching. It was around the time of the, when uh, WWF brought Starcade back. So this was like late last year. So she was even younger. She was like three months and I was watching old Starcade match as I was just deep diving as I was sitting there. 
and uh, being, uh, you know, dad babysitter at the time. And I'm watching Magnum TA, Tully Blanchard, and I'm assuming most people who listen to wrestling podcasts have seen that match at least once. It's very bloody. And my daughter, she she keeps glancing at the TV, and I'm like, is this good? Should should should, I, should this be on? You know, it's, it's like Magnum's like jamming like a part of a chair into like Tully's head. I'm like, <laughs> she, what? isn't so that I, weird? I, like that crosses your mind now. Like, should my kid yeah. be watching this? Yeah, I'm like, is this bad? You know, and then I like, I, I like, so I turn it off, and then I like brag to my wife what a fa- fantastic father I was because I turned off. <laughs> my, my my wife kind of glares at me when my when my daughter's watching wrestling, and she'll kind of like emphasize to her, now you know they're just playing, it's not real, and then she kind of looks at me. I'm like, hey, you know what can I say? It's genetics. She's into it. She likes it. And then I was so, kinda, I was kind of pissed. I turned it off too because I was like, "Damn it!" Then I was like, "You know, I know I've seen it and all, but it was, the match was just getting good. I kind of wanted to finish it." So, you know, I I had the I said earlier I had the I had the flu earlier this week or uh, food poisoning and and you know I'm throwing up and I can barely move and my wife is really only concentrating on the baby and getting all that stuff. I'm not getting any attention. And at one point she walks out of the room and, and Kit looks at me and he says, "This is my yard now." And then he just walked away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tremendous. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, guys, by the way, speaking of my yard now, there's a man who is going to be headlining WrestleMania, Roman Reigns, to either your dismay or your love, depending on who you are. And uh, I do have a very important WrestleMania announcement to make in just a minute. But before we get there, I do want to say this is the 46th episode of Top Rope Nation. So if you're seeing this in your feed and iTunes, you're wondering who the hell these guys are. We have done this before. It's just been a while. So thanks for taking a chance on the show. Come back. We think you'll like it. Uh, Hopefully we will be back with some regularity now from this point forward. And who are we? We're three guys that love professional wrestling. We've all been watching this thing for... Over 25 years a piece, I would say, easily. Maybe over 30 years. Um, and, uh, yeah, so at WrestleMania this year, this is my announcement. I'm just going to go right into it. All three of us, Kyle, Justin, and myself, will be in New Orleans for the show. For the first time ever, the Top Rope Nation crew will be in the same building at the same time. Kyle, how pumped are you for this? I'm real excited, man. I'm I'm actually concerned that I'm not going to have enough Bourbon Street time because I keep uh, buying tickets to go to shows. But I'm <laughs> sure. luckily it never it, luckily it never closes, so you know, I can go out afterwards. That's true. That's true. Have you guys I, ever been to New Orleans before? I have not. Justin has. Oh, okay. I, I've been to New Orleans. I've never been to a WrestleMania. This is going to be my first. It's my second for each New Orleans and a WrestleMania. So. Last time I went there, we got a very angry message from the Best Western of the French Quarter saying never come back. (laughs) (laughs) I was younger then. Oh, man. This is my second WrestleMania. Um, I went to WrestleMania 22 in Chicago. I think this WrestleMania is going to far exceed WrestleMania 22. That's my prediction. In fact, hell, I think this is shaping up. This could be one of the best WrestleManias of all time. What do you guys think? We'll see. You never know. Until there's as we'll talk about here in the next, you know, 45 minutes or so, there's a lot of movable pieces. It's kind of interesting that we we think we know the card, but, you know, if they kind of make one change, it'll affect everything. Yeah. 
Well, I kind of wanted to get into that because um, everyone's still talking about Monday Night Raw this past week, the Seth Rollins show, the Seth freaking Rollins show, Iowa's own Seth Rollins, uh, tearing the house down. I mean, have we ever seen a performance like this on Monday Night Raw before? Can you guys think of anything comparable? Uh, technically, no. He's the first one to ever be in a match that long. Not not only that, to be in a match that long, but to beat the two top guys. I mean, really, you're thinking uh, Chris Jericho beating The Rock and Austin in one night to become the first undisputed champion. Yeah, I mean, they've, ha- they've had Iron Man matches on SmackDown. Uh, I think, what was it, Angle and Lesnar had an Iron Man match in there one time. I mean, Rollins went far longer than an hour, though. Um, but I, I can't think of any comparison. And just, I mean, I logged into social media that night and everyone's just raving about Seth Rollins' performance. And yeah, like you said, defeating Reigns and Cena back-to-back. Were you, were you guys surprised he didn't run the table? Did, you, you, did it ever cross your mind that he might like beat everybody, Kyle? Uh, that would have been a mistake. I, yeah. I saw people floating that idea out. I think that would have been a mistake. I actually loved how they protected everyone, but also gave everyone a little bit of shine in the same match. I thought that was really what they usually are not able to do that. And, um, you know, everyone, you know, except Reigns and Cena got at least one pin. So, so much for the, oh, it's all about Roman. It's all about Cena crowd. You know, go swim in the kiddie pool in those smart infested waters or whatever you do. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, yeah, no, I, I would not have had him beat everyone. Um, th- that would have been a mistake. And I, I would like to say that there was an Iron Man match on Raw, too. And it was really great because Michael Cole said, yes, Triple H was involved in an Iron Man match. I was like, that's a weird way to say it. I'm like, oh, yeah, because it was against Benoit. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he could, yeah he did. I don't know if anyone else knows. I, I think mm-hmm. Meltzer wrote that it was Triple H and Benoit, so everyone probably remembers it by this point. But, yeah, he's like, yes, and Triple H was involved in Iron Man. And I'm thinking, I'm like, it must have been Benoit. And then, yeah, it was. Yeah, so I thought I thought it was still a great performance. I think... You know, heading into Elimination Chamber this Sunday, I, I didn't want to really do a full show preview, but uh, just talk about the the big matches. And obviously, the men's Elimination Chamber match has been kind of a foregone conclusion that uh, Reigns is going to win. Do we think they might pull an audible just looking at what Rollins did on Monday night? Like, is there a strong argument that you could put Rollins in that match with Lesnar now and, and shift gears just, uh, you know, a month and a half away from WrestleMania, Justin? I mean, with WWE, it's it's always possible. I think it's very unlikely. I think they've really, they've had their sights set on this rematch for a long time. And um, I can't think of what else you do with Reigns if you don't put him in a match against Lesnar, me personally, I would, I would love to see Rollins in there. I think that makes for a much more interesting buildup. Um, and then obviously I have, uh, an, uh, admiration of Finn Balor too, but, uh, I don't think that one would work either. So I, I think our best case scenario for actually mixing it up, up is Rollins. See, that's interesting that he said that. Cause it, it, I don't think they're going to pull an audible, you know, I mean, they've been, Vince has is, is, is been waiting to do this match for so long and have Reigns beat Lesnar. But if they did do an audible, it would be Braun Strowman, I think. would be. I, I, I don't think, you know, Rollins or certainly Finn Balor does, even has a chance or would even be considered to win this match. I, because 
you know, Strowman was the one who stood tall. Now people will come back and say, well, the way WWE books, if you stand tall on the, the go-home show, you're losing at the pay-per-view. And I think it's going to be interesting how they protect Strowman if he does lose in the chamber. Um, you know, it'll be something that probably sets up his WrestleMania program, whether that's with Miz or I don't know what else it could be. I mean, the other rumor for Strowman, I mean, he's one of those chess pieces that I mentioned earlier. I mean, he's been talked about as an opponent for Miz or he's been talked about as possibly teaming with Ronda Rousey against Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. What do you guys think about that, by the way? I don't I want to like go off on too much of a tangent, but what do you think about putting Ronda Rousey in a match with Stephanie McMahon? Like, do you guys have a big problem with that? Or this has been kind of a hot, hot topic. I'm, I'm personally indifferent to it. Like, it depends on how they actually pull it off, but that doesn't really do much for me other than getting to see Ronda Rousey actually wrestle. Mm-hmm. If they want Ronda to be a babyface at WrestleMania, they have to have Stephanie McMahon on the opposite side. And Braun would be an excellent tag partner in that scenario because yeah. it would probably guarantee she gets cheered. If they put Ronda like, against Charlotte, Ronda's going to be the heel. Mm-hmm. And interesting if they even try to fight that or if they just realize now, um, you know, that's she's destined once, you know, everyone's made a big deal about she's full time. Uh, you know, I don't know what full time means, but when moving forward beyond WrestleMania, when she starts, you know, working against the women and as a member of the women's division, she's going to be a heel, I think. Yeah. At least that's what I would do. Not I mean. You can work towards a heel turn and they, they may try to fight that, but I don't know to me she's going to be a heel by, you know, whenever she wraps this up and hopefully she puts somebody over at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, obviously it's, it's pretty preposterous to think that uh, Stephanie McMahon could go toe to toe with Ronda Rousey, but Hey, it's professional wrestling. We got to suspend disbelief a little bit. Well, I mean, she could do some chicken shit heel stuff. Yeah. And and that'll work. I mean, you know, especially in the mixed tag scenario, she can basically just run away from her the whole time. Mm -hmm. Plus, Ronda's probably not going to be in the ring that much. I mean, I'm guessing this is going to be her first match on television. So, yeah, yeah, they're not giving that away. So, I mean, they're not going to they don't they want to protect her, too. They're going to be a little nervous about sending her out there in the biggest show of the year to, you know, give her too much ring time. So. I don't think I think the the men will probably carry most of the match, and like you said, uh, her interactions with Stephanie will be kind of like yeah, chicken shit heel stuff. And and we don't know if that's the direction. Like I mean, I've there's been conflicting stories again whether it's going to be a mixed tag or if she's working Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Now I know that they're doing this big contract signing angle at Elimination Chamber, but people floated out the idea of like SmackDown comes out and steals her or something. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's a movable piece, and it, and it makes it kind of interest. It, it makes it more fun as a fan, I think, not to kind of know and there to be some intrigue. I, I agree with that. Intrigue is always good, but I, I find it very far fetched to think that they would put Ronda Rousey on SmackDown. That that is true. You're right. I mean, especially now that, first of all, I don't know how you could trust the Booker right now with someone like Ronda Rousey. Oh, you didn't know. Uh, you know that brand <laughs> that brand's got issues man and yeah i wouldn't trust rousey as a member of that and and now that they're ending the brand only uh pay-per-view era you know we hardly knew you uh you know one could you know smackdown's gonna kind of i feel be even more b show than it 
maybe already is. Do we? Th- mm-hmm. Has it been confirmed at all? Is there any chance that Rock is going to be able to work that match with Rousey? I know that was the talk for a while, but they weren't sure about his schedule. Have you guys heard anything on that, Kyle? I have not. Uh, given what happened at WrestleMania 29, I, I don't know how that's it. I mean, because he's got commitments, and I don't know, you know, given that he hurt himself the last time, I don't know how, you know, a studio's going to let him do that. Yeah, I know. I had heard there was some insurance concerns and everything. Uh, I mean, it would be awesome. Maybe it's just selfish of me. I've never seen The Rock wrestle in person, so going to WrestleMania, I think it would be fun. I, uh, I had never two seen- chances to see him. Nope, I've never seen The Rock perform live. I have what? not. I was supposed to see him at a house show the night that he uh, hosted SNL for the first time back in 2000, and they pulled him from the show like at the last minute to host SNL. And uh, I had, or I thought I had tickets to a house show in like 98, like two years before that. And uh, it turned out those tickets fell through. Did not get to see. I think he wrestled Triple H in a cage match at that show. Did not get to see that one either. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that they can somehow work it out. I don't think it's likely, but uh, yeah, it would be, it would definitely give, uh, give Rhonda some uh, star power to work with if she got rock in her, in her first match. But I think Strowman's a good choice too. Um, and I agree with you guys on the Elimination Chamber deal. I think uh, if they did pull an audible, Braun would be the right choice. I feel like uh, with Rollins, they're just kind of setting him up for a feud after WrestleMania, uh, more than likely. Kyle, you mentioned Finn Balor not really having much of a chance. I do feel like Balor has been rehabbed quite a bit in the last couple months. I mean, since he came back from his injury, he was... Uh, I don't know. For a long time there, he didn't feel like anything special. Like, why why care about Finn Balor? I've always liked Finn Balor, but uh, storyline-wise, it just, I don't know, he just kind of felt like another guy. Do you guys feel like they've they've kind of improved his image on the show of late, and he, and he is feeling like a guy that could legit main event again? Or uh, do you think they've just completely dropped the ball on him? Justin, what do you think? You're you're kind of our, our resident Finn Balor fan here. I think it's somewhere in the middle. Um Putting him with the uh, Anderson and Gallows was nice. That was really good to see. Long overdue. Um, but some of his facial features, like coming out with that shit-eating grin, is is very heelish. And that's like, if, if I had a wish, it would be a heel turn at WrestleMania or the night after. Because I, I think that's where he could really flourish. And they they have done better with him in the past few months. But I I don't know... It's probably not main event worthy yet. Although they did that survey on uh, WWE.com of who do you want to win the Elimination Chamber. And I think second place had like 19% and he was leading with like 42. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, he does have the hardcore following online. It's just how that translates to the live arenas has always kind of been the issue. See, it's funny what Justin said where he said it's somewhere in between, and I didn't really like the either-or nature of your question, Ryan, because the whole evaluation of Finn Balor depends on your expectations coming in. I think if you're an unreasonable New Japan Johnny... (laughs) That t-shirt is still for sale, by the way, on our Spreadshirt website, cheap plug. Then you're upset about it. But if you're a rational-thinking person and you look at it and you're like, you know, this is a 210 pound guy that Vince McMahon has winning handicap matches. When's that ever happened? 
in the history of this promotion. Never. Not mine. Not, not that I can remember. Um, if you think Finn should be like a tippy top guy, yeah, you're probably mad. But if you're like, well, you know, this guy's an upper mid carder. He's fine. He probably needs a secondary title. Like really, but like he need like he got really screwed by Brock being the universal champion and him coming back, you know, right after Mania because Vince McMahon's not going to do that match. In Vince McMahon's eyes, the idea that Finn Balor could beat Brock Lesnar is laughable, something he would never entertain, and it's just not going to be done. And truthfully, if you're a Finn Balor fan, you don't want that match to happen because it'll just get squashed if it would. So. Mm-hmm. Finn's a guy who, when you look kind of at his 2017, he probably, I don't know, maybe should have feuded with The Miz for the Intercontinental title. But, you know, that's water under the bridge, and that might be what he does at this WrestleMania. I, I can see him potentially walk, because I don't know what his direction is for Mania. I mean, he's kind of like the third chess piece, I think, below Strowman and Rollins, and then, you know, maybe fourth if you include Reigns, which we all assume we know what he's doing. But, um, you know, Finn, I could see him working opposite Miz at Mania and maybe winning the Intercontinental title. Because I'm assuming Miz is going to want to take some time off for the baby. Mm-hmm. So you don't, you don't think they would do Finn Lesnar ever? No. No, I agree with Kyle on that one. I don't think it'll happen. Because they did, they did Brock CM Punk. And they also did Brock and AJ. Mm-hmm. It, okay. Well, it's really funny that you mentioned that Brock Punk match because I know so that show did kind of a disappointing buy rate or it was at least down compared to 2012. And Vince blamed it on the idea. I know this that Vince blamed it on the idea that, well, no one believes CM Punk could have beaten Brock Lesnar. That's where we screwed up on this card. Mm-hmm. That, that so, match was like third or fourth from the top, too, if I remember right, wasn't it? Oh, no, it was this. It was well. It was the semi-main. I think there was a, if I remember, it's been a while since I've watched the show. There was a buffer match between that and Brian and Cena. But it was Orton and uh, Daniel Bryan wrestled at that show for the title. I heard the scuttlebuck was that he, the, it got low uh, views because of Brian that he blamed it on that. And that's why he immediately lost the title or got kind of kicked out of the title picture. Um, I mean, it could be a combination of both. No, I mean, to answer, Ryan, quite, that was Orton cashed in his money in the bank at that show. Brian beat that's, Cena. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Orton yeah. cashed in the money in the bank. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's a combination of, I, it could be the two. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Vince didn't really like that Cena-Brian build either. But, um, yeah, I know for, you know, Vince, Vince only wants a certain type of opponent for Brock Lesnar. And, you know, yes, AJ did. Uh, work well against him. And I think that improved AJ's standing tremendously within the company, by the way, that AJ was able to pull that match out of Brock. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think we've said, we've said on the show several times in the past that, uh, that uh, Balor needed to go heel, that Balor's best as a heel, the best work he's ever done in his career was as a heel in the bullet club. And, uh, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't think his act translates well to the main roster. Like, See, like you were talking about his facial reactions and everything. And I don't know. I, I feel like he can be that cocky heel that gets like the men really pissed off at him and he can play to the women and people like that. Um, or the women like that, the, the men will boo the shit out of him. Uh, but I, See, I, I don't, don't agree I don't with that. 
I don't. I think it actually has translated okay. I just think it's all about expectations. Like, if you thought he was going to be a world beater, okay, you're like I didn't think that really. Well, my my expectations are he can be a main eventer. I think he can be a main eventer, but not as a face. Um, I think he could be, and people are going to get mad about this. They wouldn't like this character. That's the thing. You know, the new the new Japan Giants world. I think he can be the character that WCW wanted Alex Wright to be. I actually think they should have like chicks mob him when he walks in the building. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm saying he could do that and be a really good heel. Like they could they could incorporate that into the act. Yeah, but then people, if he's a heel and doing that, then people are going to cheer him. Mm, you think? Because don't you don't you think a big section of the of the men audience like wants to boo a guy like that that gets all the women? Isn't that kind of like the? Uh, it's, it's not sports, but isn't that like kind of like the uh, the Justin Bieber thing? You know, like girls love this guy and men hate him because he, he appears to be kind of like a tool bag. Don't you think that uh, Finn Balor could kind of do that same kind of thing? Yeah, but Finn Balor is talent. There's a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like guys hate the hate the guy that gets all the girls kind of thing. Yeah, but he's not. He seems like too nice of a guy. Like, I don't know. I, I, I have no problem, actually, with the way Finn Balor's book. He wins a lot. I mean, the Kane thing was really bad, especially because they just had Kane crush him and they never went back to it. That was bad. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I actually, I don't, I think Finn's been fine. He, he kind of lucked into that universal title win, when you think about it, because, you know, you had Reigns still in the wake of that suspension and, uh, and um, uh, so, and uh, you know, he, he just kind of lucked. I mean, he, they did the draft part. I, I kind of like forgot like the other part of the equation. They did the draft, and and he kind of lucked into that. So, um, you know, I I know that you know they always say it's the first thing to say the first Universal Champion, and it's weird that he's never getting a shot. But I think he's been booked okay. We've really talked a lot about Finn Balor, a guy who's going to be in the mid card at WrestleMania a lot. But <laughs> hey, maybe that says something. Maybe he should be yeah. used higher on the card. That's what mm. we're talking about. So, are we all in agreement then? Reigns is, is no doubt winning this Sunday. Yep. Ninety-five percent sure. Ninety-five percent sure. There's an odd chance Vince McMahon could change his mind at the last minute. Yeah, I, I don't see it happening just because they have built towards this this Reigns Lesnar match for so long. But who knows? What about the man who has been to me the highlight on Raw now for months? And you guys probably know who I'm going to talk about here. Elias, the man with the greatest wrestling t-shirts that have been released in several months, I think. Justin, I, I know you're a fan of the Elias t-shirts, but how great has this guy been? Are you guys fans? Yes and no. I, I am a fan. You know, his, uh, his songs are, you know, are, are heat seekers. Uh, he's actually really good he's a lot of fun to watch in the ring. He's, he's actually kind of stiff in there. Um, he's got a great look. I have just, as a, as a, you know, almost a 40 year old wrestling fan, there is always going to be something that rubs me the wrong way, uh, about the guitar gimmick, you know, growing up with honky tonk and Jeff Jarrett, I, there's just something about it that rubs me the wrong way. I, to me, my favorite gimmick of uh, some guy using a guitar, even, yeah, seeing all that growing up, is still when The Rock came back in 2003 
and did the songs, like the acoustic songs, every week as a heel. Sacramento. Sacramento, there I go. Cleveland, Sacramento. Sacramento, there I go. They got some fat ass women there, and rock is gonna just say no. <laughs> what a song, just say no. Well, I might take a plane, I might take a train. How do you people live here? You must be insane. I'm leaving Sacramento. Sacramento, I won't stay. Check this out, check this out. Check it out. But I'll be sure to come back when the Lakers beat the Kings in May. <laughs> and Elias stuff just reminds me of that a lot. I think that maybe that's why I like it so much. Kyle, where do you think Elias is at right now in your echelon of pro wrestling Monday nights? He's really good. I mean, and it's it's really interesting that he was not a featured guy, per se, in NXT. You know, uh, David Bixon's band wrote I thought, a really interesting article about NXT and kind of where it's at right now. In that, you know, you would think that Elias is a guy who had needed a lot of seasoning down there before he's ready you know he was certainly one of the greener guys that you know has come out of there recently and you know who's the only other guy greener that they brought up Strowman and who are the two biggest NXT success stories on the main roster right now Strowman and Elias Mm -hmm. so I mean you know they kind of threw him in the sea sink or swim and he's swimming man I I saw that gimmick at a house like right before he came up he uh NXT ran a house show in Cleveland and I was looking at my buddies I'm like this is a good gimmick. This is going to get over because no one likes a guy who wants to just play his guitar. You know, no one likes the guy who breaks the guitar out at the party. That's terrible. <laughs> and, you know, he, he, it, it really works in the context of pro wrestling. It's a gimmick that really works. And my hat's off to him. He's done a tremendous job. And he's getting a little bit of an extra opportunity now with the Samoa Joe injury. I think that opened up, you know, kind of a little bit more possibilities for him. And, he, and he's running with it, man. He does not look out of place. In this elimination chamber match, it's not like, oh, uh, you know, uh, freaking Elias sort of throw in. That's a waste. He, he looks like, I mean, he's obviously not going to, I mean, of the seven, he's the least likely to win. And he may be, I mean, even though he's coming in last, he could still be the first one out. But um, no, he, he's not out of place in that scene, main event scene on Raw right now. I think he just did an interview either this week or last week where he was talking about how. Uh, Triple H told him that he knew that gimmick would not get over in NXT, but it was a like a main roster gimmick all the way. That it would work in front of 20,000 people, but not in front of 1,000 people. So what you're saying about it not working in NXT, that just made me think of that. Well, they didn't really push him that hard in NXT, and I actually kind of agree with that comment from Triple H. I had not heard that before. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, Elias gave, I can't remember who the interview was with, but I did see that quote a couple days ago. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I agree with it, too. Um, Okay, so we got Elimination Chamber. Any other matches you want to, you guys want to talk about on that card before we move on to a couple other subjects here? Well, we should probably talk about the Women's Elimination Chamber. We don't want to be called, accused of being sexist, do we? Well, no, and this, this show, as you guys all know, was on the Alexa Bliss bandwagon long before... 
all these creepers in the arena were on the Alexa Bliss bandwagon. I was pumping the praise to Alexa Bliss for months and months and months. And I have been proven to be right, I must say. I think she's keeping the title. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, I actually am more confident in her winning than I am Roman Reigns. Like I'm <laughs> like like I think it's like ninety nine percent that she wins here. Yeah, I would agree. Justin? Uh, yeah, same here. I guess I, I I was kind of blown away by uh, Kyle's comment that he's more sure of Bliss winning than uh, <laughs> Roman Reigns. But then I, I looked at the other competitors, and yeah, I, I actually think I agree with him. I mean, the only kind of sub-storyline in that is Bailey and Sasha, if one of them turns on the other. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see if they kind of do an explicit turn before Mania. Um, if they have them work against each other, I mean, because this card, man, could be we could be in for a long show, boys, uh, in New Orleans. I mean, there could be three. I mean, I mean, there's the two women's title matches, and then you know, Bailey and Sasha. That's three women's matches on on the main show. That's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. I think the more intriguing uh, match, honestly, as far as the women's division goes on Elimination Chamber, is the Oscar Nia Jax match because it's an interesting match to make because I I think they're going to do some sort of schmaz finish and I don't know if that's right considering all that they've invested in this undefeated streak with Asuka because if you read the rumors it's either going to be Charlotte versus Asuka or Charlotte Rousey let's say it's Charlotte and if, and Nia Jax will then be working Alexa Bliss, apparently. So they've got to find a way to get a, um, Nia into the title picture, but they don't dare have her beat Asuka, do they? No way. Way too early. Well, I- I'm just saying, Nia's going to be in the title picture at Mania. Mm-hmm. And how do they do that if she loses clean to Asuka? I think this, there's going to be some schmozzy finish here. Yeah, um, yeah. I can see that. I'm I agree. Interested to see how they do that. Yeah, there's no way that really either one of these women should lose this match. They, you know, obviously, Asuka's got the undefeated streak, and uh, they made Nia look like a monster in the Royal Rumble, and really ever since then, if not before then. So it doesn't make any sense for one of them to lose. Yeah, that's why I said it was kind of an interesting match, because I don't think either of them should be losing at this point. Mm-hmm. So, it, and again, it's that those movable chess pieces I keep coming back to, you know, it, um, if you kind of go back, remember Rousey comes out when Asuka was supposed to decide who she was going to challenge. Now, they in the storyline, they've kind of just made it seem, well, oh, of course Asuka's going to, you know, if, if Nia wins here, then it's a three-way for the Raw title. They're just kind of assuming Asuka's challenging the Raw champion, where I don't know if they're kind of like trying to swerve the audience there. So I can see it being Asuka's Charlotte at Mania, and then Nia Alexa as the two women's title matches. But it's, given you're, you, you've got this Asuka-Nia match, it's really interesting to see how they're going to get there. So if if, if they do um, Alexa and Nia and, and Charlotte and Asuka, like you said, then we're probably getting like Sasha and Bailey elsewhere on the card. Or they I do don't. like some kind of Royal Rumble with the women. What do you guys think? I think, I think they'll do something like a Mae Young Battle Royal because... For one, I, those are the two 
women's championships matches I want to see is Bliss and Jax and Asuka and Charlotte. I think those would be two very interesting matches. And then uh, we also have the Ronda Rousey, what we assume to be the mixed match. Um, I'm guessing we'll we'll have like a, a May Young battle royal on the pre-show. Mm-hmm. Or I could see like a tag match where Bailey and Sasha team up against Absolution or something like that. It'll it'll be a multi-women match. Yeah. Speaking of Absolution, okay, so you got the two new NXT women's group. We haven't talked in a long time. Uh, very similar uh, in many ways. Just, I mean, just that looking at them, the the women in the groups almost are like clones of one another. You've got. Uh, you know, Mandy and Liv, the two blondes. You've got Ruby Riot and you got Paige, who are, you know, quite similar. And uh, you got Sonya Deville and Sarah Logan. I they, they kinda look similar, like when they both debuted in that, that same week. I thought it was kind of shocking that they put together these two groups that look so visually similar. But uh as the as this has all played out, is there any doubt that the Riot Squad's like the far superior group? Because to me, it's not even close. After watching Raw last Monday night, my God, that was one sloppy match with Mandy Rose. Whoa, 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 whoa. The Riot Squad superior? Yes, absolutely. Oh, I couldn't disagree more. I think it comes <laughs> I, I think it comes I think I don't know if it's just because they're on SmackDown. It just comes across as so second. I hate it. I think I think the the Riot Squad are a far superior group. They're way more main roster ready than Absolution. Ma- Mandy Rose is a mess in the ring, absolute yeah. mess. Uh, yeah, I got I got news for you, buddy. That don't matter. <laughs> okay. They just the group the group as a whole is is nowhere near as polished as as the Riot Squad. If if it was me and I was booking these two groups and I was bringing people up from NXT, I know there's other reasons that they weren't brought up, and I'm not going to get into those surgical reasons but uh peyton royce and billy Kay could have been plugged into that group where well, you have sonia and mandy with Paige, and it would have been a far better group my issue was they in the same week they brought up three two trios groups to the separate brands and that was my number one pet peeve about the previous brand extension in that, the last that day. looked like clones of one another too yeah and, yeah, and, yeah I, I thought it was really stupid and i think the iconic duo is coming up post mania um, you know, obviously there's been a delay and it, it's out there why there's been a delay. Um, but, you know, I don't know why you do that. You just because the fans, they just get confused and there's no one individual that gets over. You know, they remember they did that stupid team thing where Stephanie like was like gym teacher and just like announced teams when they first did the women's revolution. You know, you had team mm-hmm. PCB and team bad. And, you know, we all kind of rolled our eyes at that and you know because you know eventually certain individuals did get over but i don't know i don't think any individual of the six is really that over right now um i i, I disagree with you though about that riot squad being infinitely superior to absolution. so, so what, do, what do you what, think what absolution do you think Ab- does does better than the riot squad they got mandy rose man <laughs> well <laughs> They got Liv on uh, on SmackDown. I'd say they're fairly equal. Uh, I mean, Liv. I mean, look, I'd hold hands with Liv Morgan. I mean, but <laughs> yeah. so I mean, outside man. of looks, what what do you think they have over over the Riot Squad? I just think they project more as stars. Yeah, see, I I don't agree. I don't. I think I think the Riot Squad's a more polished group. Personally, I think I think they're way more main roster ready. 
Well, Personally. I, it, in the I long run, it. the absolution might have a higher ceiling. I will, I'll say that. They drew that short SmackDown straw, though, so they're screwed. That's true. SmackDown has been a chore to get through. And re- I, I review uh, SmackDown for popculture.com. And uh, going back, I think I started it right around the time we uh, stopped doing the show. And, uh, it, yeah, it feels like almost the same show every single week. It's been horrible for going on a year now, to be honest. I mean, I could write an ebook as to why, you know, that show has just declined. I mean, it goes back to, you know, that Orton Wyatt feud, you know, losing The Miz, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I'm not even going to get into what an atrocious main event act that is. <laughs> Justin, before we move on, do you have a do you have an opinion on this Riot Squad absolution debate? No, it's with what you guys have already covered, them being clones of each other and debuting in the same week, I, I was I was put off immediately. The, and that fact, since the last time we podcast, I'd say that's the my my second least favorite thing about uh, WWE right now. Mm-hmm. All right, so you're talking. Kyle's talking about SmackDown being disappointing for a year, but I would say one of the uh, what's that? I was going to say, should we mention? Your boy Woken Matt against Bray oh, Wyatt. God. You know what? Woken Bray Matt is freaking Matt. terrible. And Woken Matt say, is cringeworthy. I want to say something right now. I don't care if he would be called Broken Matt, Smoking Matt, Token Matt. Folks, this ain't on WWE. This one. It's not. This is like WWE has taken has taken things that have you know worked elsewhere and made them not work. Matt Hardy looks like he's moving in concrete for Christ's sake. I mean he <laughs> I mean, he can still sell, God bless his soul. And, I mean, that was kind of his strength in that, like, 08 ECW run, if you remember. But, my God, he, I mean, he just – it's painful to watch the man wrestle. And Bray Wyatt ain't going to do – I mean, Bray Wyatt, I don't know, right before we went live on this show, this guy has a lot of other problems at work and opposite Woke and Matt, I'll tell you that much. I mean, my God, have you seen this guy's expenses recently? I mean, <laughs> he'd be my wife's favorite wrestler because he's buying all the miniature horses, apparently. But, uh <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I th- I do think the Woken Matt stuff is a uh, is a good example of something that works on the indies that doesn't work on uh, WWE television because it has just been awful. And here's the thing, it works in TNA. Why? Because have you have you seen the rest of that promotion? Of course it worked well because it stood out in a promotion full of shit. <laughs> Here, other things to be interested in. Yeah, it just. It's it's a lower card gimmick. I mean, it's fun. Some people, I mean, people have fun chanting "delete." I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. I mean, I don't know what the hell else you do with Matt Hardy, quite frankly, as a single. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I just think um, you know I'm not one to put this on WWE. I just it's not something I care about. And Bray Wyatt, Jesus Christ, turn this man baby face. <laughs> the entire the entirety of this podcast, going back to uh, whenever the hell we started, 2016, has been. The use of Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt being terrible. We, we've talked about that, I think, almost every single show we've done. I can't remember the last program he did that was the least bit compelling. He's just dead end as a heel. Um, and I don't know if they've lost confidence in him. I don't know if these you know, backstage rumblings have had an effect on his push. It's just, it's just bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just bad. Hopefully, hopefully they do something with 205 Live on the pay-per-view, throw in a trio smash or you know, put the eight quarter finalists in on a, in a four on four match or something like that. Um, that'd be fun. 
I, I got to start watching this 205 live because uh, oh. Kyle and Justin and I, we have like this ongoing text thread where we talk multiple days a week about whatever's going on, whether it's pro wrestling, uh, odd things going on in the Twitter sphere, whatever, um, which there's been a lot of those recently. Uh, nice. That's for sure. But uh, you guys are raving about 205 Live today. I have not even watched 205 Live in I don't know when. Months and months and months and months. But apparently this is the show to watch, Justin. Yeah, um, I have also not watched it in months upon months. And the only reason I did is because, I've, you know, like I said, I've been kind of down and out sick and thought I'd throw it on there. And it ended up being a terrific show. Uh, Buddy Murphy's back, and that was great. And then... Uh, Mustafa Ali and Jack Gallagher just blew the main event out of the water. It was a fantastic match. The entire tournament, if people haven't seen it, has been great. I mean, there still is the issue of, you know, wrestling, having four-star matches in front of crickets. But, uh, you know, at least the wrestling club. And to be honest, it had actually gotten good at the start of the year. TJP, of all people, was having some great matches with uh, Grand Metal League. I mean, it did. There's been good stuff. I mean, if you go, it's all on the network, obviously. If you go back to basically the start of the year, there's been a lot of solid work on that show. So it'll be, you know, I have high hopes for it. It's, it's the, that and Mixed Match Challenge are definitely the highlight of Tuesday WWE programming. See, and I'm, I'm always so burned out, like writing my recap of SmackDown that I never watch them. So Smack- I'm going to have to make it. Yeah, Smack, yeah, SmackDown has been a chore, that's for sure. But I would say, like, one of the high points on SmackDown over the last couple months, Chad Gable. This guy is going to be a star. I am really high on Chad Gable. I love the uh, the rolling German suplex he does. Uh, I think I was just shocked at how they built up Benjamin and Gable as challengers, and then they lost in two straight falls at the Rumble, and now they've kind of just been discarded. Like, I was, I was shocked that they went with the New Day. Um, for Fastlane to wrestle the Usos because I feel like the New Day is just such old news and so boring and so dull and I'm just waiting for that group to split up and they can make Big E a star finally um, that I, I just couldn't believe that they just discarded Benjamin and Gable like that because I do think Gable has a really high ceiling I don't know what you guys thoughts are on him but yeah I think that's being a you know a long time wrestling fan and just enjoying his in-ring work because the outside of that he still has a long ways to go and he's probably can be one of those guys like you know you even look at like daniel bryan it you know might take years for him to really latch on to uh the bigger crowd i don't know how hard you push gable right now i'll tell you this i was a little surprised that they didn't go over at the royal rumble because you know with the dui situation with the usos i was like okay i can see maybe a title switch here it didn't happen. I was not surprised when New Day won uh, to go to Fastlane because once, you know, Gable and Benjamin lost in that Royal Rumble spot, two falls to none, their goose was cooked. So, and then you got the Bludgeon Brothers waiting in the wings. I don't know what brand is getting Authors of Pain when they come up. Um, I don't know. I think American Beta is kind of uh, in trouble, really, <laughs> because I, I just don't know what you do. I mean, they're good hands. I mean, again, I can enjoy someone's work even if they're not being pushed. I enjoy Chad Gable's work. I don't know how hard you push him. Um, and, and he's a guy, we need to talk about this. With them an- ending the brand-only pay-per-views, guys like a Gable and Benjamin are really fucked. Mm-hmm. Pardon the French. I mean, yeah. because if you're mid-card or below, 
good luck getting on those pay-per-views, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I, I'm actually a little bit scared for Chad Gable because he deserves better and he deserves opportunity, and I don't know how much he's going to get. Uh, and, and, you know, SmackDown, let's be honest, uh, they seem to forget about the mid-card at times. Well, I did hear a rumor that the like they're going to go four hours with every pay-per-view to get more guys on the card. But yeah. even if they do that, it's still going to be hard for those guys to get on. Yeah, because, I mean, what, are they going to have nine title matches on every card, potentially? I mean, people are running. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're a guy like Chad Gable, oof, yeah, you, 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 you better start shining on TV, I guess, get noticed. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, everyone compares him and, and Jordan, obviously, and Jordan was really catching on before his injury. Um, and Love I think you. Jordan's going to be a, a really good heel. Oh, but yes. I do think Chad Gable is ahead of Jason Jordan. You know what? I think we can agree probably that they they gave up on American Alpha way too quick. Mm-hmm. Even if this Jordan thing plays out really well. Yeah. What if what if they should have been heels? You know, because it's really funny. A buddy of mine and I were talking when American Alpha was floundering on the main roster, and we were trying to compare them to teams of the past, and we came up with two really good comparisons. Furnace and Lafon and the Rougeau brothers. And what did those two teams do? They were both white meat baby faces at first that kind of gave you gave the audience nothing to sink their teeth into. Now, Furnace and Lafon, they turned heel and uh, didn't really do much either. But the Rougeau's heel turn, you know, I've been watching a lot of primetime wrestling in 88 recently, 1988 recently. And that was like a career changer for them. I mean, that, that was they were great. His heels, and you know, I think it's kind of sad that we'll never get to see Jordan and Gable work as a heel team because, you know, okay, fine, they were over baby faces in NXT. That's different, you know, on the main roster. I, I think I would have really loved to see them turn heel and, and see what they had there. Yeah, I think what killed them right away was that god awful theme song, to be honest. <laughs> I knew with you. Bring up that <laughs> the worst theme song in the history yeah. of tag team wrestling, right there. My God, how could that get anyone pumped up to see these guys? Theme songs could actually make or break an act. I truly believe that. And, uh, wow. And, and they were just like two white meat guys waving towels. I mean, that's not going to do anything either. I mean, so, I don't know. I, I think John Cena disagrees. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But he doesn't, well, he, he does. He, he, it's less of a wave and, and more of a, you know. He, he, he did pull. it long after he was John Cena. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, exactly. I just had to throw it out there. Yeah, there, there was depth to that character before he, you know, people knew stuff about John Cena before he, you know, he told us all about the, you know, before he flashes the towels every week. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, we're running out of time. We're getting close to uh, quitting time here. I did want to briefly mention um, that, uh, you know, they do have, we like to throw out some nostalgia here on the show. They have added all of the, not all of them, but a good majority of the old Coliseum videos to the WWE Network. And I thought it would be fun for us to maybe like suggest something that our listeners could check out in the old Coliseum video archive. And for me, I got to start out with uh, the, I believe it came out in 1993. It mostly uh, has matches from 92 on it. The old Smack'em Whack'em tape which features a uh, profile on who at the time was in his first WWF championship run, Bret the Hitman Hart, and it features the first WWF ladder match from 92 with Bret and Shawn Michaels, uh, which is for the IC title. 
And then it also has the uh, Bret Hart Ric Flair match from Saskatoon, where Bret wins the title for the first time. And funny enough, Justin and I were talking about that. I think it was the night we purchased our WrestleMania tickets. And uh, Justin threw it on to celebrate. And I was like, hey, watch for the point early in the match where Bret separates his finger and or dislocates his finger. And then he like snaps it back into place really quickly. And if you watch really closely, there's a, there's a spot where Flair like kicks him into the corner and he, he lands like really awkwardly. Like his hand like flips against the ropes and he really quickly like moves his hand down and he snaps his finger back into place. So that's where that happens. So if you're on the network... Check out Smack 'em Whack 'em. It's a good tape. Kyle, you got any suggestions for the listeners? Yeah. Uh, inside the Steel Cage, uh, Tito and Bruno against Savage and Adonis. I think that was like the first tag team Steel Cage match they did. It's worked very well. I think all four, uh, everyone but Bruno bleeds in it. So it's really good. Um, speaking of cage match, if you're a blue bar, I know the blue bars cage match are always poo pooed, but Piper and Rude. Uh, I believe it's Super Take 2. They have one of the better blue bar cage matches in company history. Uh, that was a fun feud there at the end. And then I cannot remember which one it was. Uh, it was one of the tapes released in 91. It might actually be Super Take 3, as a matter of fact. Uh, there is a Mr. Perfect Shawn Michaels match. Um, Shawn's still in the Rockers, and he takes an insane bump like five minutes in. So those are three to check out. Kyle Ross is one hell of a model American, I got to tell you. I knew Kyle Ross would have a great suggestion for the Coliseum video. Your classic wrestling knowledge, Kyle, you're a freaking encyclopedia. And I would also highly recommend Invasion 92 for the Sean Mooney, Lord Alfred Hayes Star Trek theme. <laughs> I do remember that one. That's, that's real bad. Yeah. I mean, what kind of... Mooney had to be getting stoned back then, didn't he? Somebody tweeted him at it. <laughs> he is on Twitter, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Oh, he is. I know he liked somebody's tweet today or something like that. Hi, gang. Bean Gene Okunon here to tell you about the next exciting release from the World Wrestling Federation and Coliseum Home Video. WWF's Invasion 92, available March the 26th. Folks, so, believe me when I tell uh, you... Justin, got anything on the network people should check out? No, I'm actually kind of with the listeners. I, I just take your guys' recommendation. In fact, that uh, that Bret Hart, Ric Flair match that you recommended to me when we uh, bought the tickets, I, I watched that match twice trying to look for that finger spot, but I had also been celebrating with some scotch, so I, I don't think I ever caught it. <laughs> understandable, understandable. All right, guys. Well, this is going to be fun doing this show as we lead into our trip to New Orleans where maybe – probably won't have time to record a whole show down there but maybe one of us can pull out a cell phone and we can tape something live and include it on the next week's podcast we'll see have to see what happens but uh i do want to thank all the listeners for staying loyal we've got some tweets people asking us to uh bring back the show um so we are here thanks for listening uh, if you enjoy the show leave us a five-star rating on itunes if you could or stitcher radio and you can check out all of our past library shows on itunes or at topropenation.com yes i did finally buy the domain so we're at topropenation.com and uh we will check you guys next time thanks for tuning in six and a half star donate rating if possible <laughs>